Hosea chapter 4, starting with verse number 7, and it reads as follows. As they were increased, they sinned against me, therefore I will change their glory into shame. They eat up the sin of my people, and they set their heart on their iniquity. And there shall, and there shall be like people like priests, and I'll punish them for their ways, and reward them for their doings. For they shall eat and not have enough. They shall commit whoredom and shall not increase, because they have left off to take heed to the Lord. Whoredom and wine and new wine take away the heart. My people ask counsel at their stocks, and their staff declareth unto them, for the spirit of whoredoms hath caused them to err, and they have gone a whoring from under their God. They sacrifice unto the tops of the mountains and burn incense upon the hills, under oaks and poplars and elms, because the shadow thereof is good. Therefore your daughters shall commit whoredom, and your spouses shall commit adultery. I will not punish your daughters when they commit whoredom, nor your spouses when they commit adultery, for themselves are separated with whores, and they sacrifice with harlots. Therefore people doth not understand shall fall. Thou, uh, though thou, Israel, play the harlot, yet let not Judah offend, and come not ye unto Gilgal, neither go ye up to Beth-Avon, nor nor swear the Lord liveth, for Israel slideth back as a black-siding heifer. And now the Lord will feed, up, feed them as a lamb in a large place. Ephraim is joined to idols, let him alone. Their drink is sour, they have committed whoredom continually, who rulers with shame do love give ye. The wind hath bound her up in her wings, and they shall be ashamed because of their sacrifices. All right, let's pray before we talk about these verses today. Dear God, thank you for these verses here that we can study your word, learn from the Bible. Lord, be at this church now as a whole and all the Sunday schools going right now that we may learn your word, make it part of our lives, and help us to grow and improve as Christians. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we continue our study here of the book of Hosea. The book of Hosea. If you recall, we've been studying Hosea, and it's really uh, broken down into two parts. So far, the first part we studied in detail, chapters one to three. Chapters one to three talk about the relationship of Hosea and his wife Gomer. If you remember, God had a plan, right? He insisted that Hosea marry Gomer. Why is that? So that he could experience how God felt. Because what what was Gomer known for? Gomer was a harlot, right? She's a whore. She went out and she cheated on him. And she even left the home and did all this horrible stuff. And this is despite the fact that they had children and all that kind of stuff. But that was a relationship that he had. That he felt the same pain that God would feel. Right? A God whose people turned their back on him just like this wife turned the back on the husband. And we looked in detail at this relationship and the analogy of the relationship. We made it pretty clear, right? In the same way that Gomer had gone after other men... Israel had gone after other gods. They had gone after idols, other religions, other beliefs, other rules of conduct, different from what God had taught, what had God taught for so many years in the scriptures, through the prophets, all ignored. And instead, they wanted to follow Baal. They wanted to follow whatever other god, whatever their teaching there is out there. That's what these people were doing the children of Israel, on the days of Hosea. So it was that Hosea came to spread God's message. And we started looking at chapter 4 last time. Chapter 4 is where we get the more traditional prophet book. You know, these prophet books, if you've read them before, a lot of them are about what the prophet prophesizes. What does he say? What is he warning about? And starting chapter 4, that's what we got here. 
the more traditional parts. So one to three, it was the story, it was the analogy. Now chapter four on, this is the warning, the message. What is Hosea saying? And verse one to, five, one to six we studied last time, there was a lot of bad to say about Israel, right? He's kind of setting forth what was the controversy between them and God. And there's a whole laundry list, right? We saw in verse like uh, two, we talked about swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery and all that kind of stuff. They didn't mean that Israel was fallen into sin. Great, great sin. And why was that? We studied last time, verse number six. Verse number six says what? My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. They don't even know now. That's the point they've gone to. They don't care to know. They don't want to know. God gave them knowledge. He gave them scriptures. He gave them prophets. They know what God wants. They have the law, the law of Moses, right? They have all these things. They have priests to teach them. They have all this stuff. Doesn't matter. I don't even want to know. I want to go live my life my way, do what I want, my sin. That's the attitude they took. So that's what we studied last time, that their problem was. They didn't have this knowledge. And of course, obviously, we want to make sure we have the knowledge to protect ourselves against falling into sin, whether it be by reading our Bibles consistently, coming to church, hearing the message, Sunday school, all the time, reinforcing it, being around other Christians that can help us build up our knowledge. That's really important, that we have that knowledge so that we don't fall into the same trap that Israel did. Now let's continue on. What else is Hosea saying about these people here, right? He's saying, talking about their sin, right? And their hearts of iniquity in these verses we just read here, right? It says in verse 9, What shall it be like? They're becoming like people, like priests. Like people, like priests. The saying, what is it talking about? When you're talking about like people, like priests. The idea being that the people that were given the sin... And so are the priests, right? You figure the priests will be the one that will uphold what is good, what is right, what God wants. But it got to the point where it says what? Like people, like priests. Maybe it was the people influencing the priests. Maybe the priests influencing the people. Who knows? That even, that even the priesthood cannot be trusted to uphold what God wants, right? They keep on going, going into sin. Right? Verse 10. They shall eat and they shall not have enough. And they shall commit whoredom and it shall not increase because they have left off to take heed of the Lord. Right? They're not following the Lord. Instead, they're going after whoredom. Right? Now, when we talk about whoredom, we're talking about in the context of, you know, thousands of years ago when this was written, they're talking about whoredom to other idols. Right? Following other religions. That's the most obvious thing. That's the thing that God cares about the most, right? So that's why it talks about sacrifices, like verse 13. We're talking about sacrifices. Those are the type of things that God is pointing out to these people back then, about how they burn incense and do all these other things. He compares that to whoredom, right? Oh, you're doing all these things for these other gods, all these other worship, all this other religion. Uh, religious talk, right? He calls them in verse 16 a black backsliding heifer, right? Backsliding, right? They're going the wrong direction, going away from God. And if it couldn't get any more obvious, verse 17, Ephraim is joined to idols. Ephraim is joined to idols, right? So this is the life that they have chosen, right? That their sacrifices, that their worship, that their whole lifestyle is given over, not to God, 
as he would want, but the idols. That's the warning set forth here by Hosea to the children of Israel. Now we know about idols, and I think I've talked about this in the past. When we talk about idols and idolatry and things of that nature, what we're really talking about is the pursuit of manly constructs, right? Because what are idols ultimately? It's something that some man built, right? You built the statue of Buddha, right? You built the statue of Vishnu or whatever other god there's out there, right? That's how idols are. They're man-made and the concepts usually that follow are manly ideas, right? These ideas that some guy made up. This is how we worship Buddha. This is how we worship whatever idol, fill in the blank, right? That's the way it works. And we always have analogized that when we talk about idolatry, it refers really not just to these religious idols, but any idols that are man-made, that draws away from what God wants. And we've heard you talk about this things before, these kind of analogies, that you know, there's some people that choose to dedicate their whole lives to Buddha, and that's an idolatry, but there's also people that dedicate themselves to other stuff that people don't, might not think about as religious, so to speak, but still, they commit themselves so wholeheartedly, it's like they're chasing after that thing first and foremost. Look at this word that God uses to describe their idolatry, whoredom. What does it mean to be a whore, right? You've heard this expression when you're whoring after something, right? You're whoring yourself out, right? It means you're desperately, desperately trying to get something, right? Right? If I'm whoring after this new car, I, that's my goal. I want to have that new car, right? I'm whoring myself out so I can get that new car, right? I'm doing whatever it takes. I want the new car, right? The car becomes kind of like your idol, right? That's the attitude, the attitude that people have. So God's looking at the attitude of the people, not necessarily just the, uh, the one thing, right? That yes, it's really bad that you follow Baal, but also your attitude in following Baal. It becomes an attitude of, this is what I want, what makes me better feel right. I want to do this idolatry, right? And we talked about in the past, the historical context, one of the benefits that they got out of following someone like Baal or some other god is that they might get rules that they like better. They say, oh God, we've been following all these years. You have all these rules. You can't do this, can't do that. Oh, I don't like it, right? This other one doesn't care, right? There's no rules about this and that. I can go do whatever. I can eat whatever, do whatever, sin whatever, and under bail, this is not even a sin, right? Et cetera, et cetera. That's kind of the attitude, right? The manly, self-centered attitude, the idolatrous attitude. So it is in our lives today that I'm pretty confident that most of you guys here aren't going to go off and leave here today and run off and go find an idol like uh, Buddha to go worship or to find the Baal's nearest Baal statue or whatever. But still, we still get trapped into following our manly desires, our manly desires. But what does God say about that? What does God say about it? Well, verse 10, we read it just a while ago, right? Verse 10, for they shall eat and shall not have enough. They shall commit whoredom and it shall not increase. This is God's opinion here on things like idolatry, about chasing our manly desires, our manly idols, right? The idea is that they are not fulfilling. We chase them and chase them. Israel, they chase them and chase them. They worship so many idols, right? They disobey God so much. In the end, we know from history, well, it didn't work out very well for Israel, right? And we know from our lives 
that it's kind of the same story for us. That when we chase these non-godly goals in the end, it is not fulfilling, right? It says they shall eat and they shall have not enough, right? For example, we were talking about cars before. You know, cars, a lot of it is about money, right? A lot of times we as, you know, we're all working people here except for the few college folks, right? You know, one of the biggest question marks on our mind all the time, the things we think about and care about is like money. You guys know that. I think about it all the time, right? You think about where do I have enough money, right? Do I have money to afford X, Y, and Z, right? You gotta pay your rent or mortgage, right? You gotta get the car and, you know, food. And then on top of that, there's all the other stuff that you want, right? That you wish you had, right? And this is stuff that Elaine and I talk all the time about, right? Like, oh boy, I wish we'd go on vacation, right? Oh, I wish we could have, you know, bigger house. I wish we could have whatever, fill in the blank. All these things take money, right? And people make it a goal sometimes to chase after the money to make those dreams become reality, right? That if you had all this money, you go on the big vacation. If you had all this money, you could buy a new car, you could have a bigger house, you could have, fill in the blank, X, Y, and Z. But if you really think about it, if you really, really think about it, is having all those things the real path to happiness, the real path to having satisfaction in the way that God wants us to have satisfaction in our lives? And the answer, of course, is no. Because when you have that as your goal, that's just a continual chase, a continual end, no thing with no end. Case in point, think about money and stuff. You know, think back to, you know, think back in, in my life, you know, I've been with Delane for so many years, right? When we started off, you know, even though now we're still worried about money, right? No, we're probably worried about money back then when we first started off too. And back then we made a lot less money than we did now, right? So you figured, oh, in the time that, we started off, and since then, we've gotten promotions and raises and stuff. Shouldn't it be that, oh, now you got a lot more money, and now everything is better, right? Well, that's not the way human beings work. And I've observed this in, even in my own life, and I've seen other people do the same thing, right? What happens? Oh, well, you started off at point A, then somehow you got more money. And what happens, like most people? Well, you think of more things to spend it on, right? Like, oh, now, oh. So in the beginning, we were struggling, we got nothing. Oh, now we got money. Oh, great. Now we bought a new car. And that's literally what we did, right? Oh, we we're doing well, we bought a new car, right? And then like, oh, then you got, got through this car and somehow you got more money and you're still living your life. Like, oh, the next thing, whatever it is. Oh, we have extra money, we gotta go spend it on whatever. It's like these people, right? Kids, right? Like, oh, <laughs> now I have kids, right? And now, oh. There, there went all my money, right? And then you have kids, and then, oh, you got more money, you get a raise or whatever, right? And then, oh, now I need to go buy, like, my kids better toys or, you know, give her swim lessons or whatever. And this, you know, all this additional stuff. This is what you feel pressure on, right? All the time. You see everyone else is spending money on X, Y, and Z. You feel like, oh, oh she can do it. And it becomes a never-ending cycle. It's a never-ending cycle. When do you feel like you have enough money? Answer, never. Look at these people. They, they, there's a studies on that win the lotto. If you won the lotto, you have millions of dollars all of a sudden. How many of those people that win the lotto wind up with no money, wind up unhappy and bankrupt then because they didn't know what to do, right? They started spending like crazy, right? Because they said, oh, I got all this money now. I can spend it. And they had no thought about it. And they just did this, you know, spend, spend, spend. And don't wind up happy in the end, right? Wind up with no money in the end. You see, it's true also with a lot of these... Uh, Athletes, right? 
same kind of thing. It's kind of like winning the lotto when you're an athlete. You have no money, you grew up poor in some uh, poor neighborhood, but you're really good at basketball, football, whatever. You become a first round draft pick and overnight you become a millionaire because when you're a first round draft pick, you get millions of dollars. That's your contract, right? So you went from having nothing to becoming a millionaire. And there's so many stories of these athletes who don't know how to manage this money because your whole life you had nothing, right? And maybe you're happy having nothing. Now you have millions. And all you do is like, well, now I feel like I have to buy like the big car, right? And the big house and spend money on my entourage and my, you know, and launch my rap album and uh, do whatever you do when you become like a, a millionaire basketball player or whatever, right? And so they do all these things. And in the end, a lot of them wind up with no money at the end, right? Chasing this is not a way that leads us to ultimate happiness, the way that God wants us to, right? What did it say again in verse 10? They shall eat and not have enough, right? They felt they were free. Now I'm not bound by God's rules. I can eat whatever I want. I can eat, 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 eat. Remember, God all these dietary rules. Oh, you can't eat this, can't eat that. They can eat whatever they want now. Guess what? They eat, 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 and they're still not full. Why is that? They're missing the one food that can fill them up right. They're missing the bread of life, right? God told us in the Bible, the only thing that will ever satisfy us is the bread of life, Jesus Christ. They turned their back on God and Jesus. They wanted to see if they can fill themselves up with worldly food, worldly good. Guess what? Didn't work. We saw what was the end for Israel. They just fell deeper and deeper into sin and to the point where their whole country got taken over by another country, right? That's how this fallen and disrepair their country was. And so it is for all our people that turn away from God and turn to sin thinking, oh, it's much better. It's much better, right? All those people that follow their fleshly lust, their fleshly desire, whether it be chasing after money or chasing after other stuff, always leads them down to a destructive path. Look at all the vices that people fall into. We talk about athletes. We talk about other famous people like these uh, other celebrities. What do they chase after, right? They chase after fame, right? Like some of these actors and actresses. How many of them have you seen the news, right? Chased after fame their whole life. This is my goal. I got to be the most popular actress or actor, get in the movies, win the awards. How many of them have so many problems that relate from that when they make that their goal? They have eating disorders. Oh, I need to make sure I'm skinny enough so I can keep on getting the leading role. That is the end that they fall into because they are chasing that, you know, that, that fallible, corruptible goal. How many of them fall into things like drugs and alcohol? You see it all over the news, right? So-and-so celebrity, oh, drug overdose, you check into rehab, all these things. Why is it? They get depressed because they're chasing after this goal all the time. They're having problems. Oh, I can't get the role I want, right? Or maybe they did get the role they want, but it's so much pressure to keep up their public face. They be famous, they do interviews all the time, traveling, workout, this and that and that. Oh. They just want some drugs to make them feel better or some alcohol or whatever. You see it all the time in the news. How many celebrities have we seen in the recent news died because of all these things, right? Drug overdoses, right? Drunk driving because of all the alcohol they intake. You see, all these earthly goals, earthly desires, they are corruptible and they lead to corruption. That's how Israel, the track they were going on, and it led them to destruction. Hosea's warning them here. Hey, you guys are going the wrong path. You want to follow the Baal path, the idol path. Guess what? That leads to destruction. That leads to bad stuff. 
follow the godly path. It sends you on the right way. And ultimately, they never got the message, right? We know from history, right? They went the wrong way. Are we accepting the message now? This same message is a practical message for us. It's all the same. The idols might have changed. You guys might be ch- not be chasing the statue right now. But when we chase those other things, those corruptible things, those earthly things, right? For all the money you have, all the fame you have, all the fortune you have, right? Doesn't mean anything if you don't have God. And that's the reminder here, right? When we have the things that fulfill us in God, we have eternal goals, right? These are things that when you get to heaven, you can celebrate forever when you're serving him, when you're getting people saved, when you're honoring him, when you're glorifying him. Those are uncorruptible, uncorruptible things. May those be our goals. And those other things, hopefully, not be our goals. Seems like we're out of time right now. So we're going to cut off here and bow for a word of prayer. And we'll pick up Hosea chapter 5 next time. Dear God, thank you for this chapter here to remind us about having us set on the right things. Are we whoring ourselves out to idols? Are we spending all of our time, effort, and energy chasing after the corruptible things that ultimately we've seen through tons of empirical examples really don't lead us anywhere? Lord, instead, may we have our focus, our goals on you to spend the right of our time with your goals and your desires and your wants. You know, God, I'm a failure at this too. You know, sometimes I worry about it all the time. Where's my next money coming from? Do I have enough money for this and that or whatever other things that, you know, people think about all the time. Lord, sometimes we just need to trust in you that you'll provide that we can eat and have enough. Right? In contrast to the verse where we read, where they ate and they didn't have enough, right? So help us with that. It takes a lot of uh, focus and determination, but we know with your help that we can turn away from our worldly desires, our fleshly desires, and keep our mindset on our heavenly goals and heavenly desires. Be with us the rest of the Sundays and continue to honor and glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.